What's up, Skytown? It's the world-famous Skyhook Podcast, and I'm, as always, your host, Chris Pennant. And James is not here with us this week. He's taking some time off, well-needed time off, so I appreciate you all for tuning in, as always. And I want to welcome our guest host to the pod tonight, Sabria Whitaker of Grow the Game, also co-host on the CHGO Sky Show, and longtime, lifetime Sky fan, and Chicagoan, as we say, until Chicago ends. Sabria, welcome to the show. Thank you. I love that intro. Probably my best intro yet. Thank you. Thank you, because I did not write any of that down, so I appreciate that even more. <laughs> um, as always, listeners, please follow us on Twitter at the Skyhook Pod. Check us out. Uh, email us at the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at the Skyhook Pod as well. We always thank you for listening and tuning in. So, Sabria, we're getting down to the meat of the season. Um, the Commissioner's Cup is coming up next week. Things have been finalized. The Sky will be playing Las Vegas at home. They're sporting the best record in the W since starting off. I believe it was uh, five and four. They've run out to a, a 19 and six record. They're equally as good at home and on the road. And they just had another fourth quarter magical comeback. But you can't call it magical when they keep doing it outscoring the Dallas Wings in Dallas 30 to 16 in route to an eight point victory when they went into the final frame trailing by seven. Uh, Kalia Copper got off. She had a double double 23 and 14. Uh, Emma Mieseman was doing her thing as well. And the game before that, they were at Los Angeles and Rebecca Gardner registered the first double double of her career. We'll get into some more Rebecca talk later. But when you see the sky playing like this and you've seen pretty much every sky team that there has been, are you picking them to win the finals or are you taking anybody else in the top tier of the W right now? And why? I'm taking this guy. Um, like I've been saying, I mean, from the beginning of the season, you know, I've always said just like sky and four. And then there were some doubts, like you said, when the record was like five and four and, um someone asked about I wonder I don't know if it was when I was on here the first time but someone asked me about it and I said that just sounds like look that just sounds like last season right right and so that was another reason I'm like it's gonna come up watch and now look it's looking really back to backish. so I'm going with us I mean this is what we expected last year right we, we brought in Candace Parker and I know Emma Beeson wasn't here yet but uh Diamond was coming back from injury Cobb was kind of, we saw, we'd seen her kind of break out in the wobble down in Bradenton and then Candace got hurt and they just went to that even, even Steven record. But since they really brought everybody in, uh, once it got to um, late May and early June, even bringing in Lee Uri from China, the team is, is clicked in, in a crazy way. Did you expect this? Uh, I mean, I think. It, it could have been expected. I want to. I don't want to say I was a hundred percent certain, but I knew it was a huge possibility just because of the number of people that came back. And so, even though there was a little bit of concern um, of losing Diamond, and obviously, you know, Steph, who had been here for so long, right, right. I kind of knew, okay, well, even though Diamond's gone, we said a lot last season, Diamond and Kyle are kind of essentially the same player in a way, and the best of offenses were never really run with the both of them. It was kind of like an either or. So I was like, okay, I know we could kind of move past that. But then when you announce that you're adding a whole finals MVP, it's just like, okay, well, yep, you got it. It's okay. I'm not even nervous anymore. And I'll, I'll admit um, at the beginning of the season, Emma looked like she was really trying to find her way in the uh, in the offense. 
Uh, not so much the defense. I think that had, had looked pretty solid. There were some times where people were making, um, you know, cutting to the same spot, going to the same spot to defend the same player on double teams, but that really worked itself out. But Emma and Courtney said it in a press conference earlier this year, they played together in Russia, but that was a completely different style of play. And they right. had to kind of re retool their games to fit in a completely different league. And it's worked pretty much like a charm. Even when Eva hasn't got, had games like she had in Dallas, she has affected the offense and the defense uh, in a really complete way. And, and that goes pretty much throughout the lineup. Yeah. And I think I knew it was clicking when I would just be watching a game and it'll look like someone didn't even just pass the ball. Like they just dropped it. And then you just see another Sky player just come and swoop right in where they were. And I was just like, okay, at this point, I don't know if they're talking telepathically or <laughs> if they're mind readers, but it was giving a little bit of that double double. You know that Disney Channel movie from a long time ago with oh, Heather yeah. and Heidi Birch? Yeah, <laughs> yep. And then she would just throw the ball and somebody landed there. That's exactly what the Sky must do in practice. I wouldn't doubt it. Um, hopefully, it, I'll, I'll see if I can get some some from James on that. If he's seeing that that Disney Channel kind of effect when he's out there at sacks, uh, let's dive into some of the numbers from the Dallas game, just because I want to put this in perspective, and also because I'm one of the like five people on Earth. Sorry, let me because there's at least eleven people on the Dallas roster, so to say fourteen that says Dallas is going to the playoffs. I still think they're going to the playoffs, but it's a little bit withering for them to lose that game in the way that they did. And I know we, we've had conversations about Enrique. I know your feelings on Enrique. I understand that. And a four, a four for 16 night kind of um, proves your point. But Marina Mabry, uh, I, I expected her to have a campaign like she's had and 22 points on 50% shooting is pretty much par for the course for her. But when you look at these numbers on the sky side, uh, Ka nine for 16, Emma 10 for 14, uh, Candice, even five for 14, you know, that's a kind of a below below average night for her, but 13 and eight rebounds. And every one of the starters had an assist. As a matter of fact, they they totaled all the assists in the time where Courtney's out in the concussion protocol still. They still had 25 assists on 35 shots. Is there a team, if you look at the rest of the field, Seattle, Las Vegas, Connecticut, is there a team out of at least those three or anybody else who you think could match up well with the sky over a five game series. And um, even, even if you don't think they can win, you know, which team and why? So, I mean, obviously I think that the commissioner's cup is probably going to be like a finals preview. So I right. just, I won't even really waste saying that aces because they have their, their shortcomings, but I'll just say I've been giving Minnesota a lot of praise mm. and I think they're going to be a surprise to somebody. And I just say that because earlier in the season, like before Indiana, I, I would say on the CSGO Sky Show, I would tell Janice, look, I understand it's Indiana, but they did that last year and teams would come up against Indiana and lose because that's not a team you can really you know, oh, you mean get Minnesota? too cocky. No, no, no. I mean, Indiana. Oh. So and so India? then okay. earlier, but then, so remember earlier in the season, Chicago lost to Indiana. True. And so that was one of those lessons where I'm like, I told you, you can't just discount some of these um, 
lower rank struggling teams, especially when they're young, because they can find it from a place where that's just a day where maybe heart beats talent or whatever it is. But lately, it's it's like Minnesota took that energy from Indiana and has just run with it. And Ariel Powers, I don't know what she's been doing lately, but you just have to really watch out. And so that's what I'm saying about Minnesota because you don't really know who it's going to come from. Like early in the season, it came from Kayla McBride. And now it's been Ariel Powers and, you know, Rachel, the Maroon Mamba. So it's just like, I think <laughs> people people look at Minnesota and you're just like, ah, it's Minnesota. But that, that's, that matchup has been giving a lot of teams some go. Because then, they, like, Ariel Powers just dropped 32 on Vegas. So, right, if you can drop 32 32- Vegas and I think Vegas is probably our closest matchup then I'm gonna have to look at you a little too and not underestimate you yeah Minnesota's really picked it up over the last uh this month really I um, mean going into the end of June they had lost so many games and they were trying to find an identity and you know just from my, my time watching the sky which has only been a few years Minnesota always seemed to be the team that gave them trouble that they couldn't get around. And now the, you know, the piece of collar is still out on maternity leave. And that was one of the people that they had to look out for, but they were just absolutely struggling. Lasia Clarendon didn't get re-signed. I figured that this was the season that Cheryl Reeve wouldn't be able to pull any magic acts out. And then you get to the end of June, they've registered four blowouts in their last seven wins, like blowouts. And some of those against teams like Phoenix, they beat Phoenix twice. Uh, but Dallas, again, playoff, the playoff contending team, they blew out Las Vegas by 30. They beat Phoenix again and they beat Indiana again. Their only close win in that, their only close win in that stretch was against the sky. I don't know. Like you said, I don't know where Ariel Powers got it. I remember when Kelsey Plum had that first game in Bradenton near the end of the season where she looked like Kelsey Plum from Washington. And since then, she hasn't looked back. But it's different because she had been kind of finding her place before that. We've seen Ariel Powers be that kind of player. And now it's just like, she was just like, I got to carry this team, you know, myself pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, I thought she was crazy earlier in the season, that game when they played Indiana. And she got up and she pushed Nalissa thinking she was pushing Victoria. And I wonder if she still even knows that she pushed the wrong person. (laughs) But, but when they talked to her afterwards, she was just like, you know, at this point, the, they're losing so much. She's probably like, well, I'm just going to come out swinging. And that's what they were doing. And she was just like, we need people to know, like, we're still respect us. Don't come in here. Think you're just going to bully us around. And I want to show you we have energy. We have grit. And I don't know if that has just like pumped up the team, but they're absolutely like hammering other other teams like they're they're like if we're not gonna win it just all ball we're gonna win it with heart and we're gonna make you fight and earn this win and I think that's a little dangerous to some of these top teams you know toward the end of the season now they they did lose to Washington in their last outing and and Ariel seems to have come back to earth a bit you know 11 points six points 11 points over her last three but it's a team to watch out for it's a team with experience um Ariel Powers has won a championship Sylvia Fowles is uh, been a champion and it, it's hard it's hard for me to say honestly because a lot of me does want Minnesota to finally be down like I want them to not be that team that never you always have to look out for when the time comes around but I wouldn't be surprised 
Uh, for my money, I, I got to go Seattle uh, because I think that even with Sue being in the twilight of her career, Brianna Stewart is my front runner for MVP just based on everything. And that's what I want to talk about that with you now, too. Uh, but I think Seattle just has. They're not they're not a, a they're not a, a championship contending team necessarily, even though their record shows otherwise. I, I think they need more around them. Uh, losing Natasha Howard did a lot of that, but Ezzy is playing very, very well, especially on defense. And I, I like the way I like what Noel Quinn's put together just as a coach, as a young coach. Any thoughts on Seattle from your side? Um, yeah, I agree. I think that, like you said, there I don't have them winning it all, but I do think that even though the league got rid of single elimination games because of the sky this season, <laughs> I would not want to see Seattle or Minnesota in a single elimination game. So I think that might be a few teams saving grace with Seattle that it would have to be a series. And I don't think they could necessarily pull that out unless like Jewel is being con super consistent and hot and Brianna, like I think Jewel, Brianna, and Tina would all have to put up like consistent double doubles probably to get that. But though that's a team that can also surprise you. Thank you. I, I was I knew I was searching and it was like they picked up Tina Charles, uh, got her out of that wildness in in Phoenix, and that's uh, probably the biggest midseason pickup of it. I, I know, I know. I don't even want to talk about Phoenix really. I really don't. <laughs> But let's let's go to that MVP question because I've seen a lot of talk recently for Candace having um, some MVP caliber caliber games and MVP caliber season. I've seen it. I don't know if I would would put her on my ballot in first, second, or third, but I've seen it. So if we had to go that route, because it's easy to just say, "Here's your MVP. Here's my consensus MVP. One, two, three. Who are your top three for MVP right now?" I feel like that requires a short answer, but I don't want to give you a No, I don't. This isn't a short answer show. Come on. Okay. So the way I'm approaching MVP is I look at MVP as if you take that person away, that entire team is just cooked right, okay. for the entire season. That's how I look at MVP. So with that being said, I don't know if the sky can technically have an MVP because the whole team is so good. Right. Like we saw when can even though sh she's great at finding other ways to contribute. Um, and earlier in the season, there were games when she was truly out of the game. And I think they struggled because of the, the lack of her leadership. But I think now that they've had more time to play, maybe other people have found ways to step up and provide that same leadership. Or at this point, they could just think, what would Candace say? What would Candace do? But when we saw her completely get shut out in LA, yeah. Beck showed up. So it's like, even that game in Dallas, our floor general is missing. But they showed up. So it's just like, I don't know if there's one person on the sky that you can take away and we're going to lose because we're not. We're still going to win and I think we're still going to go back to back. So that's like my only drawback of what I think is really what an MVP is. And I don't, and I think that's just means James Wade is the MVP for putting together this team as general manager, like mm. at that point. So when I think about that, the 
first two people that come to mind, and unfortunately, because I don't think that MVP should require to be on a top team. Like, so my first person would probably be Asia. Like, I know we've heard that a lot. Um, And I know that they're probably trying to choose between um, Kelsey and Asia. But I, I like NECA. And I, and I know because no one's probably thinking about LA, but I do feel like if you take NECA away, LA is not, I mean, if, if playoffs started today, LA is in. If you take NECA out from the beginning of the season, they're nowhere near the standings. True. And I feel that even though Indiana is nowhere near the standings, it would probably be even worse if you took away Kelsey Mitchell like Indiana has had some really close and that's what I hate about Indiana it's not all blowouts like embarrassing maybe as much as last season but they've been holding on and they do have some impressive wins and I think that that came from Kelsey so though Asia Kelsey Mitchell and NECA are going to be my three that I'm sure two of those are probably super random and you're like Sabria what are you thinking no, I like that. I like that. That's an interesting way to go about it because I've, I, I've always thought I can't remember. I think it might have been Bill Simmons, but um, but somebody who basically, or just the advanced, the way the advanced statistics work, right? It's basically a comparison between this player and if the league average twelfth person on the bench was in that spot. I know that's what it is for baseball. It's basically just like comparing you to the most average. MLB player to see how you would actually stack up in terms of added wins. You know, how much did you contribute over the course of a season? And so that's the perfect way to look at it. Not necessarily who is the most valuable person for the league, who's the most valuable person this season. You know, there's a lot of different criteria that people are going to start talking about as the season winds to a close. I wouldn't necessarily agree. You know, I think that when we talked about uh, James and I talked about Kelsey Mitchell having an all-star nod and I said, I don't think the all-star should be as um, incentivized as it is because then you run into these questions. And in that case, Kelsey Mitchell should have been an all-star. Should she be all NBA this season? Most definitely. Absolutely, without a doubt. And if you take her off Indiana, they're a much worse team. But it's tough when you're a 5-22 and team to pick out, like, you know, how much worse could they be? You know, I don't think that's Kelsey's fault. I think that's the fault of leadership. (laughs) But should she – I'll say she should be all NBA. I think – I think she could get a third place vote for sure as the uh, MVP. I would, it's really tough going with Asia or Kelsey or, or even Jackie Young in the way that she's stood up this season. Her three point percentage is just like exploded. That made Vegas so much, so much better. But I, I have no problem voting for Asia again. I don't, if anybody, if anybody out there watches the show who is a voting member of the media for this award and if you think that somebody can't win MVP back to back, you're stupid. I just wanted to say that. That's a straw man argument because nobody said that, but I want to make that known that I hate that. I hate that logic. So I have no problem voting for Asia again, but it's, and I think it's between her and Bianca Stewart, really. I, I really do just because even, even as good as Seattle has gotten with Tina Charles, getting Gabby Williams in that trade, still having Jewel Lloyd and having Ezzy kind of rebound to her rookie year form, her plus minus numbers, her two-way play, man, it's, 
I don't think people were really looking at Seattle to be this good at the beginning of the year. And for them to be in the top two or three, it means a lot. It means a lot. And I think that's a, so much of that can be attributed to Brianna Stewart. That's fair. But I also think like when, when you have a jewel, right, that you, it doesn't really matter what type of night she's having. If she's beyond that three point line, you have to come out and put someone on her. That's and true. then you have Tina who led the league in scoring last season. So you have to go put someone on her. And then you have Gabby, who people had been missing all of last season, but you see what she's been able to come accomplish overseas and then come back and kind of get in this Seattle groove. That's three people right there. And I haven't even said Brianna Stewart's name. So I think people made it maybe underestimated before you know they added Tina that that's that's a lot of options like Seattle just has a lot of options so when you have that and you get the open player and they're knocking it down I'm not shocked that they're they're where they're at and I, and I didn't address NECA um I I think that man the Sparks <laughs> not too much it's just <laughs> not too much it's, it's wild because Neck is a, 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 a top tier player. She's a top 15, top 20 player any given season. And she's been the most consistent player on both ends for Los Angeles this year. But man, you, you, you can't shut Candace Parker out and still lose by double digits. You, you just can't. And I know they've got, they've got quality players on the team. Her, Brittany, Christy Tolliver. Okay, um, but KT was out. She's been out. Liz is in health and safety, so Liz was not in that game. So when you have, like, before that game, like, I was like, you know, obviously, I want LA to do well. Right. Specific players to do well. Right. But I'm just like, with Chicago, it sucks because you have to pick your poison. And if you don't have the matchup, to do that on the other end, if you didn't have somebody to guard Beck and Candace and M, like, that's it's not really their fault, especially when they're missing Liz, they're missing Christy Tolliver and someone like Kennedy who can be uh, easily like a quick, you know, a quick basket is out. Like half of LA is just out. So I, I was impressed that they were able to do that. Super impressed. But like I said, I don't think they were expected. But I don't know. <laughs> Beck just was like, her number was called. She answered the phone every single time. So that was kind of just like, uh, wow. Like, you have to really credit Chicago. I don't think, that's one of those things where I don't think LA lost that game. I think Chicago just really won that game. But it was a nice effort, though. And that, that's what they've, they've done in Los Angeles. The two games, the two most recent games they've had in Los Angeles, like they, they stepped in and they put the game out of reach from the word go in that blowout a couple weeks back. And then this game, it was, it was a tougher time of it, but they, they picked up the slack when one of their big guns wasn't really hitting. And so much of that was due to Rebecca Gardner, who had not been a scoring machine, but she had been somebody who, I called her like a, a pressure release and like a late in the shot clock type player who could be counted on to get to the rim or get to the foul line 
when it's needed. And then just so, so, so good on the defensive end. Um, from like, just going back in, in your time watching the game, and I know it's, it's different because, I mean, just, just give me your thoughts on Rebecca Gardner because she's such an insane story coming into the league at 31 and making this type of impact for a championship caliber team. Like, what, what have you liked? What have, what have you seen from her this season? I mean, and she's so sweet. Like, I know that just, I don't know if that really matters in any. It kind of does. Thing, but I just think it's it's important. Like, to me, it's important because she has this vibe where, like, she just walks in or you just see her and you just can't help but It's just like, oh, like, I don't know. She just really has that energy. And it was funny. I was watching the Dallas game and I think she was um, tied up with Kayla Thornton. And she didn't want to let go of the ball. And I mean, we've seen this. I love when there's a jump ball and no one wants to let go. So like, it just <laughs> kind of gets like heated a little minute and you just hear a whole bunch of whistles. Um, but that happened and she didn't let go. And then after they stopped, like they looked at each other and just laughed because it's Rebecca. Like there's clearly no other like intention behind it. No ill intent. She just plays hard. And so I thought that was, a, a really good example of how she is like a good like a good player a great person um and then I will never stop talking about that play she had in some game earlier in the season when she had the ball was falling out of bounds put the ball on the court stopped touching the ball went out of bounds went back inbounds and then picked the ball up she absolutely was not out of bounds did the ref call her out of bounds? Yes. Is the ref a hater? Yes. But that was like the most <laughs> genius thing I had ever seen. I had never seen that before in my life. And I was like, Rebecca, no, you did not just do that. That was amazing. I've never seen that before in my life. That should have been a highlight. I don't know on what, but it should have been. And that is how I will always look at her. The IQ, the, the she plays chess in her mind just like while she's playing basketball. So that's really what I can say about her. And I don't want to detract from, you know, saying that she's not a rookie, even though she's played so much, she has so much time playing overseas. But I, know, I think we, we all wondered, uh, James and I weren't really talking about her in the pickups at the beginning of the season. He was very excited about Kayla Davis um, and Crystal Bradford before she got hurt and got released. But we weren't really talking about Rebecca Gardner like that. And now she's become the the what we she's become what the sky really needed that backup on the wing position and i i always come back to the steal percentage which for for if you don't follow the advanced statistics out there uh, the number the percentage of possessions that end in a steal for such player rebecca gardner has been top three all season long it's Brittany sykes ari mcdonald and then rebecca gardner and those two were tied those last two and it's I don't know. I think there was a game where she didn't register a steal a couple of weeks back and I would have to go check her, her stats, but there were so many games where she was counting. She could get at least one steal. And if it wasn't a steal and a breakaway, it was something in a half court possession that just disrupted the offense. Um, the first two, uh, our guy, Steven Gardner put together a reel, just breaking down Rebecca's game on both ends. And the first two possessions, one was her, getting underneath a, a Cheney screen, staying with Brittany Sykes, disrupting um, what was going to be a drive. And we know, I know you know from personal experience, Brittany Sykes is one of the toughest players on that, on that drive, yeah. dribble drive to the basket to guard. 
She stopped that drive, forced the pass to the corner, yeah. ran about 10 feet to guard the Christie, what was going to be a Christie Tolliver corner three, mm-hmm. made her take a sidestep to the wing and still contested the shot. Mm-hmm. She she pretty much handled that entire possession. And then on the other end, she never touched the ball, but forced the dive cut before the ball came out to Candace at the top of the key. She dove cut to the middle, bringing Lexi Brown and Brittany Sykes away from their their um, their matchups. And then Kalia Copper had a wide open three on the elbow. Like, so it's your chess. It's like you say, she's playing three-dimensional chess as the game is going on. And you talk to her in the press conference, you would never know it because she's she wants to deflect all of it. She wants to deflect all of that to somebody else. Yeah, she definitely has to... I mean, she's just happy to be here. Like, when I talked to her after the Atlanta game, she really is just, like, her energy is just like, I'm just happy to be here. And I love that for her, and I definitely hope she never loses sight of that and that she understands like what it took to get here and she's clearly very grateful super humble but I can't wait to talk her ear off at the end of the season and just tell her do you know what you did like are you really like giving yourself the credit the pat on the back and understanding the contributions that you're making like so many people are talking about her so many people love her I'm like girl Chicago loves you and I'm not saying that's hard but (laughs) but I haven't seen anyone take to someone like this who they've never met before because it's not like you're coming from another team and people already know you like this is people who just genuinely do not know you but they love you and they can already speak a lot about your play and your character and so I think regardless she's obviously making history right because it's her first season in the w but i think she's gonna change the way coaches scout and where they look and i think she's she's definitely i've talked to a lot of players who have aspirations of coming into the to the w who haven't reached it yet they aren't you know her age yet but they're like she gives me hope and i love that for all of them that's awesome. That's amazing to hear because I, I think that there's so many players who, when the when the Euro leagues come around, there's always the players that I see media people talking about. They really want to see come over. Maria Conde, who the Sky had um, overseas under contract for, or at least had drafted uh, from playing in Spain. Uh, Alina Igupova is somebody who I know a lot of people would love to see play one season just so they can see the assist highlights. But you're right, Rebecca Gardner is a story for that reason, too. She came in at a later age, and she's made, like I said, she's made a great impact on a top-level club. And, yeah, you know, until expansion comes through, not everybody's going to make it. And even when expansion does come through, there's still going to be a lot of people fighting for a limited number of slots, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, she's that one is well-earned, for sure. And I hope that that also motivates people who are paying attention um or also this is why it's important to pay attention for those who want to play in the w who at the high school level collegiate level overseas pay attention to people like her right everyone can't be the star of what they think the star is but rebecca's a star because she does all of the little things that it adds up that you have to put her on the scouting report And so now, regardless of what happens with her in Chicago after this season, I know every other coach knows her name. 
like I know people are looking so hopefully people take that as a, a motivation too like she's not truly not the most intimidating player like if I walked on the court against Chicago I'm not necessarily intimidated by her but I know that I have to keep watching her out the corner of my eye and that's why you say people take those extra steps or they start thinking about their moves because they know how disruptive she's going to be and that has nothing to do with her shot ability it has nothing to do with her really anything but just being there knowing where there is and getting there and making a move and making the other person think and boom now it may not show up on the stat sheet but it changed the game and we all see it so hopefully people start to appreciate more of that in a player Rebecca Gardner has been a revelation let's keep going down the bench uh Julie Alleman has been getting starts since she came over on the team and Dana Evans has mixed in some of that time as well and like we said earlier Courtney Vandersuit has been in the concussion protocol for the last couple of games which this guy have won uh what have you seen from that kind of that tandem uh coming in as the point guard off the bench even though they have different play styles and what would you like to see uh more of from Julie and Dana like to see Dana get more um and I think a lot of people have said that like yeah. but that could just be our own bias of like we know <laughs> her right and and we know a lot of the feel she gave us during the playoffs and she come in and she hits that three and when trust just goes crazy um but look if it's not broke don't fix it James clearly knows what he's doing I just don't want us to be in the position where you know we're in playoffs anything happens right you have to be smart about rotating players and limiting minutes but also making sure they get the necessary touches to stay hot so I just don't want that to happen where it's just like she's kind of not really been where she was last season up until maybe like it's too late so I just want to make sure that he's I think he knows what he's doing, but I just want to, I just want to make sure, like, I want to <laughs> see that he knows um, what he's doing, but right now, I don't really have any notes. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. I think, uh, I love what Dana does in terms of looking and finding her shot, looking for and finding her shot when she does come in the game, and she's getting more minutes than she did last season, uh, 12.8 as opposed to about 8.6 last year, and that's with Julie Allemand on the team. I <sighs> You're right. I, every time I think of Dana, I think of not only that game in the game three against the finals that she had, I think of the, the third quarter she had in the first game of the season against Los Angeles, where she put up seven, she put up 17 in the quarter. And that's what we know Dana Evans can do. So whenever, when I do see the minutes kind of slant, I'm like, ah, I want to see mm -hmm. Dana go off again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think if, if the sky um, clinched the first seed, do you think that there'll be some more time for Dana and more of the players at the end of the bench to try and get some more rest? Because it's not like the Sky starters are playing that much. Nobody's averaging 30 minutes a game. But do you think there'll be some time at the end of the season for those players to get some more burn to lead into the playoffs? I hope so. I mean, if it's comfortable, right? Like, yeah, I, let's not blow a whatever lead, but... I mean, as long as it's a rotation that could help us later, like I don't want to just, you know, mess up the flow just for the sake of like getting minutes. But if there's like another combination that we haven't really seen or that has more potential that he wants to work on so that later when we need it, they can come in and be another unit and be explosive. 
I say why not but always it's always I guess good to boost players confidence too going into the playoffs so why not and but just I mean, don't embarrass LA if LA is the eighth seed <laughs> I you know some part of me I think just for that reason is some part of me is gonna miss the one and done just because it, it was exciting to me. It was very much like uh, playoffs in other sports. And I know it's not, nece- it's not necessarily the right, way, the right way to do things in a basketball setting. But it made... I like it. It, yeah, I feel like it made every possession magnify yeah. like what could happen. And, I mean, my other thing is, I think that just the W community, and that's everybody, that's fans, players, executives, I don't think we as a group think things through because sure you were upset about I mean really let's just be real people were upset and they felt like the sky and whoever else was so low that they shouldn't have been able to do that well that's the point of seeding is it not like you all have the same one game chance as everybody else so whether it's an off night who cares like that's gonna happen I don't think an off night really is on a single elimination game is much different than it being like a two to two and you got to win the game five and somebody has an off night, you knew all the necessary adjustments. You probably should have won, but it's the same thing. Like you have to show up all the time or if you don't, you go home. That's just what it is. I appreciated it because like you said, it made it more exciting. I guess people felt like, well, well, you don't know how to make adjustments. Well, that's why you have all season. So I'm not really trying to hear those excuses, but also in the same breath, they will complain about, we're complaining about scheduling as we should. We're complaining about it being so many games in a shortened season, but then y'all still turned around and prolonged playoffs because what could have been single <laughs> elimination and teams having buys, all y'all are going to do now at the end of the season or complain about, well, I guess you won't have travel woes to complain about anymore, thankfully, because you'll be at least there's that. private. At least there's that. But that also lets me know that Kathy just told us this schedule about to be crazy because there's no I don't see any other reason for them to go that far in advance to say, yeah, we're going to fly private. It's because the schedule is going to be nuts because you have everybody playing a series and no one has offense. I think that was the worst thing they could have done when people already came into the season late coming from overseas. Your bodies aren't getting breaks. I mean, we see injuries happening now with like Atlanta and LA and all y'all did was just ask for more games. Why? Money, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. I mean, just a guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess, but when, but look, I mean, come on, look at the, who was that that was complaining about? I don't even remember. Some team was complaining about their schedule, but I just speak to LA because that's whose schedule I know okay, I was, um, the most intimately. Okay, so the Scott, right? They probably, but I also remember watching the Sky play and then looking up on my phone. I'm like, wait, they play again? Like they just played. But I, so I speak to LA schedule because I know it the most intimately. Next week, there's like a game on the 31st. Well, that's what? Sunday. So the 31st is a Sunday. They fly to New York the first. They play New York the second and the third. Then they have a game in Atlanta, like on the fifth or something and then they have dc like the sixth or something insane and that's just 
a week. That's literally a week. Why would you want to do that and then have to go and do playoffs? Is the money really worth it? Because, I mean, if they have to still have a window where they have to put all of these games in to be done in time for everyone's, what is it, the worlds or whatever yeah, is going the world, on. the world championships. That yeah, that they're doing it for. I don't, I just don't think it's a good idea. I just really don't. Because that means people are going to literally be probably being playoff games like on a, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and then everyone's going to be complaining about it. And then, you know the schedule's probably going to get moved because ESPN is going to want to do something at 7. So now the game's pushed back up to 6 on a Wednesday, which happened to Chicago the other day. So it's just going to be a mess. That's how I feel. I, 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 can't, I can't argue against that. I really can't. Um, and I've seen a lot of other people talking about the scheduling. And it's already, you're already in a weird spot playing in the summertime with other sports to compete against. And, and that's gonna be the that's gonna be the issue all the time, right? We're in the we are formerly in the bread and circuses era of our lifetime. So there's always going to be something on. But I, I think that the summertime you you still have to compete with those sports and then having to compress the schedule for Olympics or world championships, but still add more games in the effort to ultimately dissuade players from going overseas. I don't know if it's going to lead to something tangible like more injuries or more burnout, but there's definitely going to be an effect and you have to counteract it by giving the players those services that they don't have like travel, um, chartered flights, and just more, more benefits on the road as well as a few more days in between games. I'll admit I like it just because there's games a lot. I want to have a lot of games. I want to be able to watch games on any given night, which is why I like baseball. Mm -hmm. But I completely understand your point. And like I said, other people are saying the exact same thing. So I'm, I'm not sure where the tug of war goes I'm, at this point. I'm really not. And, yeah, and just like based on what we saw from Kathy at the, at the All-Star game, which we don't have enough time to dedicate to on this pod, <laughs> I don't think the tug of war is going to go the right direction. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's like the flights are getting worse. Like just the, I mean, we we're seeing airline um, captains striking. So like a lot of people's flights are getting disrupted. Like Janice had a delay getting back from Minnesota the other day. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, right now my plan is to go on this like little last leg of the tour and I'm not happy about it. And I'm just the manager like but I'm looking at it and I'm like I don't want that's a lot on me so when I did the first part of the tour early in the season I was like I don't know how y'all do it I'm tired and then it's a like you mentioned like the little things that people don't think about yes they're grown adults right but if you're so let's say there was um like when flights get delayed right and you're going somewhere like Indiana I'm in Chicago about to meet you in Indiana and I know you have a flight delay and the only thing that's going to be open when you get there is steak and shake because I'm coming. I have the mental capacity to say, okay, let me go ahead and pick up food for three of y'all and you'll have it when you get here. Had that not been the case, they probably would have been eating McDonald's. That's not their fault. That's not poor planning. It's just what's there if you don't have personnel there who's thinking about stuff like that. And so you're like, you're already traveling, you're playing, you're beating your body up, and then you're fueling it with McDonald's and just, 
you know, people who have to do appearances at the team level, whatever appearances they have individually, when people talk about, well, why don't you have deals and all this other stuff that takes time, sitting for interviews takes time, all of this stuff takes time. So they're trying to play, do whatever film watching they're doing on their own, have their hobbies, have their own life, do what they need to do in the house, make sure they have food. And they're just everywhere and then you have a schedule and you you get it down and then next thing you know your flight from seattle gets canceled and now the first flight out is like 3 a.m and that just completely derails everything so yeah they deserve a lot more compassion and i just know this because like i'm seeing it and i wish more people could see certain stuff or just like understand it but that's going to explain a lot when we get into these finals and you're wondering why people are tired why just the wear and tear of just all of this so I'm hoping it's not that bad though so I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that we have a great finals we deserve it after that all-star that we're not going to be able to talk about yeah I, and I'm, I'm only saying that because James uh you know the, the perspectives are obviously different they are but James lit into them on the last episode so we dedicated some time to it for sure Let's get into some of the lighter things. Uh, as, as listeners of the pod know, we did what I call Do You Agree With Kalia on every show where we took a Kalia Copper tweet um, and, and gave you our opinions on it. Uh, but as we've seen, Azra, our, 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 our Azra Stevens has been very delighted to be on the Twitter machine, uh, finally uh, taking to it with a, a couple of Q&As on flights the last couple of weeks. And so... Sabria, I wanted to come to you with some of these uh, Z tweets, not just in the Q and A's, but she has, even though she has some great ones, but to get your opinions on those as well. We don't have a name for this segment yet because I haven't come up with some corny rhyming thing, but trust I will. So okay. I've seen, uh, where am I? I just had it. Okay, what, what, what do you say with Azaray? There you go. Sabria Whitaker, James, watch <laughs> out. You're sponsored Jeopardy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Jeopardy. This is my payback because James had Andy Constable sub in and I was like, oh, my job's gone. That's, that's my job. So, <laughs> Sabria, this, you are my payback. You're going to take James' spot. And I'm going to completely, completely steal this. I got you. Um, is she, I will say it seems like she's a big fan of boba tea, which is something that I never could get into. There was a place really? around the corner from my high school and everybody was about it. Um, tie Bowl on Taylor Street. And they would get the bubble tea with the extra tapioca, and I, I, I was never my thing. Is that? Are you a bubble tea fan? Okay, so I've just had my first bubble tea experience in Chinatown like two weeks ago. It probably wasn't two weeks ago, but who has a concept <laughs> of time anymore? But I remember. I don't know what I thought it was. I knew the little tapioca balls threw me off, and I knew that I, I, I thought I didn't like tapioca. Cause I'm just like, right. I think of pudding and I'm just like, I don't really understand like why that, like why you would put that. It looks like little Whoppers. I like Whoppers. So I'll probably <laughs> feel differently if it was like a Whopper, but I don't know what I thought it was, but I'm drinking it and I'm like, so it really is just tea and milk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I like tea. I like flavors. So I think I had like a mango one. I'm like, I like mango. And I like almond milk because at the place I went to, you could choose your milk. And I'm like, I like almond milk. So 
this is actually really good. And I'm like, no wonder, like over there in England or whatever, they drink <laughs> So I like it until I sip like a little ball, a tap yoga ball. And I'm like, what consistency is this? I don't know what's going on. But up until that point, I like it. All right. You know what? That means I think I got it. This has got to be my year to break my fast on, on Boba T2 because so many of my people back in high school would stay at Thai Bowl drinking this. And I had the same thought. I was like, Tapio, I don't like pudding. And I definitely don't want pudding in my tea. But if it's the way you say it, it was the yeah. way that everybody said it. Yeah. I don't think yeah. I have any excuses anymore. Yeah, like I thought, like I said, if it was like Whoppers, like I'm thinking, okay, so then it's like the chocolate or whatever that is, like getting into your, like, I didn't, I didn't understand it, but it doesn't, ch- at least when I had it in the place I went to, it didn't change the flavor. It was just there. And then it didn't really even taste like anything once it came through the straw. So I think it might be trial and error, but if you find a good one, it actually really is good. It's just a flavored tea and milk, promise. All right. And our last one, this is a definitely, uh, this is a different kind of tweet because this was somebody asked um, Z when they were heading to Dallas, what player quote unquote welcomed you to the league, gave you that work as a rookie, a la the, the knuckleheads, Darius Miles, uh, Quentin Richardson podcast. And Z's response was, oh my God, Candace, she did that move on me where she puts it above <laughs> your head. <laughs> and that um, that reminded me of, the first time I saw Candace live and she was still on the Sparks, I think it was, I think it was 19 and the sky had been playing and just kind of going through the game and they were up eight maybe. And Candace hadn't scored through three quarters. And I looked at my stat sheet and my notes and I realized I was like, Oh, they're kind of doing a good job. And she moved over to the left side of the key, got the ball on an ISO and Gabby Williams, Gabby Williams was guarding her. And she faced up towards the basket. And this was on the other end of the court from where press row is. And I was, you know, like 90 some odd feet away. And there was just something, it was like everything stopped around me. And I just was focused because I was like, she's about to score. It was just the way she turned, the way that she looked at the basket. And I love, I am the number one Gabby Williams fan. But I was like, there's nothing stopping Candace from getting, from getting a bucket right now. And she ended up scoring. And that was like one of those transcendent sports moments that I think you can only get live, but yeah. you can only get with certain players. So do you have a Candace Parker memory akin to that? Hmm. I feel like you should have like cheated a little bit and gave me that heads up before now. So I I know that's hard. Could have thought about it because I know there is one because I I could probably give you one just from last season but my brain is just not giving me that answer right now (laughs) so I don't I don't know I guess the like really the transcending moment I got was when everybody started sending me the news that she was coming to Chicago like that's all I got (laughs) No, that, that counts because that was, I don't think I thought it was going to happen. I, I really don't think that I thought it was possible just because she hadn't played here and she was such a big deal. I was like, you know, maybe she's just going to whatever. And in Chicago, I think there's the Chicago basketball fan in me was just like, we don't get those players. And then she came and it was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's, it's happening. 
yeah like I almost had a little attitude when she was coming because I'm just like huh now all these Candace Parker fans are gonna be here like y'all wasn't with us shooting in the gym like I don't really want you to be a, a Sky fan now just because we have one of the goats like I was upset and like right before then before the bubble like I remember coming to the Sparks game just to see her like I I got to I have a picture with her it's so cute and she saw my ball and it was all great and Actually, the other side, so one side of my ball is signed by Cheyenne Parker and the other side is signed by Candace Parker. It's so cute. I can clearly never give that away now. Um, but I was a little jealous. And now that she's here, I'm just like, you really came and got a ring. The, like, you just stepped in the building and was like, here's a championship. Here's your first championship in your first year here from a team that you should have honestly never left. Like, she shouldn't be here. She honestly should not be here, but I'm thankful that she is. Yeah, um, I, we, I don't think we've ever mentioned this, but this guy really should, really should make a ring for Derek Fisher for fucking that whole thing up. <laughs> yeah, I feel I, like somebody made a tweet about that. Like, thanks, Derek. Like, <laughs> <laughs> without Derek Fisher, it's a tough shot to say this guy win that championship last oh, year. I think that was that was based on like the final straw. Like, I have had enough. And just the goatness of b- this being her hometown market team and the fact that we just didn't have one. So it couldn't have been looked at as ring chasing. Like this is really solidify her goatness just some more. So I think just the, that being pissed off at him, him being just the worst executive ever for letting that happen. And then just being able to come here it was perfect. All the cards were in our favor. They were bad cards individually. Like Derek benched you in an elimination game like an idiot. Chicago Ooh. doesn't have any championships. We need help. All bad cards, but together, the universe was like, come here, Candace Nicole Parker. Boom. Champions. <laughs> so. <laughs> Man, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Um, I know I mentioned your organizations already, but please let people know where they can find you um, if you want to be found. Oh, yeah. Come find me like a Waldo. You can follow me on all my social media at Sabria Whitaker. That's at S-U-B-R-I-A-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R. And keep in touch with my organization, the giveaways we are doing to wrap up the end of the season at Grow the Game W on all social media. All right. Sabria, last thing. Yes. Commissioner's Cup game coming up next week. What's your prediction final score? That is so hard. That is so Just hard. Just pull, I always pull some random shit out of the air. It's okay. <laughs> Um, Sky 101 to Vegas 97. <laughs> I like it. I like it because that would be a ridiculously fire game. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> thank you to thank you once again, Sabria Whitaker. Thank you as always to the founder, the originator, James K. Um, he will be back in here soon. I am Chris Pennant. This has been the Skyhook Podcast. Hit us on the Skyhook mailbag at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at the Skyhook Pod. Until next time, folks, keep your head above the clouds and be good and do great things.